You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fainside Network. Happy weekend, everybody. This is the weekend podcast following the Wolves loss to the Suns on Friday night. So a post-game pod and then a peek ahead at the following week. No games this weekend for the Wolves are back in action Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday of next week with a nice four-game homestand, some winnable games. We'll, we'll talk about that here to close the show today. Uh, but want to want to really just talk about Wolves Suns. Um, after beating the Suns Thursday, they lost Friday night. It was another, it wasn't not as uh, aesthetically pleasing of a game is Thursday night for either team. It was it was fairly ugly. Offense was in short supply for much of the game for both teams. And um, still, the Wolves were competed. They were in the game until about midway through the fourth quarter. And uh, or really, I guess, with only about five minutes left is when the Suns kind of put the Wolves away for good. Uh, but it was it was a, another competitive game and, and certainly some bright spots for the Wolves. So I want to go through the game flow, some key takeaways, and then individual studs and duds, some notable performances as well that don't necessarily fall into either category. So that'll be what we do, what we do on today's show um, before closing with a look ahead at the, the upcoming schedule for the Wolves. Um, as always, want to remind you that if you're not subscribed to the show, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. That includes Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and you can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. And then my account is at BBeacon, BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Okay, so this was another competitive game. Um, the Wolves were in this thing. They were up in the first quarter for a good chunk of the first quarter, and the Suns then had a quick run at the end of the first and took a five point lead headed to the second quarter. And then the Wolves were actually down. The Suns won the second quarter 30 to 25 and the Wolves were down 10 at halftime. Um, In terms of first half takeaways, basically the Wolves were really competitive with Towns on the court, which is not surprising, but early in the first in the excuse me, in the first quarter, I mentioned that run by the Suns at the end of the first, the Wolves were only down two when Towns went to the bench with, I think, about three minutes left in the first quarter. And then the Wolves were a minus three over those three minutes and ultimately lost the first quarter by five. But with Towns on the floor, they basically played the Suns even. And this was a theme throughout the night until the Suns pulled away in the fourth quarter. Um, and that was that was an issue in the first half. Anthony Edwards continued to be aggressive. The Wolves ran a couple sets for him early in the game. And, and then, you know, he didn't get foul calls. He didn't make shots. They went away from him for a little while. And then Chris Finch played him with the second unit as he's been doing lately. Um, for the most part, he's trying. He was trying to keep one of Towns or Edwards uh, on the court at all times. Edwards' first rest came with about five minutes left in the first quarter. Then they played about two minutes um, with Towns and no Edwards, and then closed the first with neither one of them on the floor. So that's when the Suns got that three point edge. So the Wolves were minus three with no Towns and no Edwards on the floor in the first quarter, and then Edwards came back in in the second quarter and, and ran with the bench unit and was just wasn't that effective. Um, and for the game, and I want to get into his individual performance later. His his efficiency wasn't good, and at times his shot selection kind of reverted to to the bad version of Edwards we saw earlier this season at times. Um, but he also wasn't getting foul calls that he did get on Thursday, and he did some other things. I mean, one of the he had a career high in rebounds halfway through the third quarter in this one. Um, so and didn't have it wasn't a completely lost cause in some ways. It was just as impressive as his forty two point game on Thursday. Well, maybe not quite as impressive, but 
I mean, it's in the conversation for just as impressive of a performance because he did other things. He had six assists. He had 10 rebounds, which he reached the career high, like I said, midway through the third quarter. He didn't allow himself to get pulled down by his issues shooting the ball and his issues not getting calls in the paint. Um, And clearly, this seemed like an overcorrection from the officials to Edwards shooting 13 free throws on, on Thursday and the Wolves shooting, I think, more than twice as many free throws as the Suns on Thursday. And Monty Williams got ejected in the first half of this game complaining about a non-call on their end of the floor. Um, You know, I don't talk about officiating much on this podcast, but I saw this, you know, the whole Suns Twitter was basically up in arms over the officiating over these two games. I didn't think it was that bad. And I'm, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at, at trying to decide if the officiating is fair or not. I feel like I can be pretty impartial when it comes to that. And very rarely is it worth complaining about because it's typically just bad on both ends. This seemed pretty fair to me. I mean, the Wolves were just the more aggressive team on Thursday. That was a huge part of it. And that's also why they won. And it wasn't just because they got free throw attempts. And the officiating was was actually bad on both sides. Uh, I thought it was it was good on both sides Thursday. The Wolves were just more aggressive. I thought it was bad on both sides in Friday's game. And you look at total free throws, the Wolves attempted 18 and the Suns attempted 17. So there you go. It was it was also even both ways on on uh, on Friday. But I just thought it was it was poor officiating. It was at times a little whistle happy. And then there were these stretches where they let everything go on both ends and both teams were upset. Um, I just it just didn't seem imbalanced. And so I I wanted to say that because other than the fact that there were a lot of missed calls on Edwards, but you could say the same thing. I mean, but there were a couple of times it looked like Booker got fouled and a a call didn't happen. Um, And everybody remembers Wolves fans remember when the Wolves played the Suns in Minnesota a little over a month ago and Devin Booker got the benefit of the call. 10 times out of 10, this seemed to be unfair both ways where Edwards and Booker were both getting hammered. And, um, you know, after a whistle happy Thursday game, there just weren't as many Friday. So I just wanted to say, I, I don't feel like the officiating was lopsided in either direction. I just think it was kind of shoddy all the way around. And Thursday, it was just a little too whistle happy and the Wolves were the more aggressive team. And so they got more calls. Um, and it was as simple as that. Uh, at any rate, um, in the first half, Ricky Ruby ended up with 15 points. Carl Anthony Towns had 15. They tied to lead the team. Anthony Edwards was only two of nine shooting in the first half, but he did have six rebounds and four assists just in the first half. Um, so that was that was really the best thing you could say about the first half of this game. The Wolves were down 10 at halftime. And then the third quarter started completely in the Wolves' favor. They they went on a 15-0 run. It took, it took four and a half minutes because the offense wasn't great for Minnesota to start the quarter, but the Suns were terrible offensively. They didn't score a point until the quarter was four and a half minutes gone. It was, it was the, uh, what, seven and a half minute mark before they scored in the third. Wolves went on a 15-0 run, so they only had a five-point lead at that point because they were down 10 at halftime. Um, and Anthony Edwards got his career-high eighth rebound before the fifth minute happened in the third quarter. Then there was a, a a terrible flagrant foul call on Jade McDaniels when he was trying to get through a screen and, you know, tried to work over the top of the screen and his elbow hit Booker in the back of the head, completely incidental. And I know that intent doesn't matter for a flagrant one, but that wasn't even, uh, that wasn't even excessive. That's just a case of Jade McDaniels being taller than Devin Booker and him trying basically a swim move to try and get around a screen. And somehow it was a flagrant foul. The Suns made a free throw and then, and then got possession. And I mean, it wasn't that the Suns had like a five point possession because of it or anything. I think they only had the one point, but it just happened to be at that point was roughly when the tide started turning for the Suns. They started scoring. Um, they went on a, a 13 to three run between the end of the third and the start of the fourth and kind of retook control. Towns came off the floor for a rest at the end of the third. And those minutes were tough. Um, the Wolves had to come back with Towns early in the fourth after the Suns run. And I mean, Nas Reed had an OK game. 
but he just doesn't have the same impact as Carl Anthony Towns. And he hasn't been confident shooting threes lately. He didn't second straight game against the Suns. He didn't squeeze the trigger on any three point attempts. He could have a couple of times. Doesn't appear confident from the outside right now and just doesn't stretch, stretch the defense or put, uh, put stress on the defense like Carl Anthony Towns does. And, and not that anybody ever pretended like he does, but while he can replicate some of what Towns does, it just it isn't the same impact. And that was very clear as the Suns kind of settled in defensively and and the Wolves offense really scuffled end of the third, early fourth quarter. There was no um, there was no flow to what the Wolves were doing offensively and contrast this to last night or excuse me to Thursday night's game when it was very clear that I mean, you came out of that game thinking, man, if the Wolves can add a shooter Malik Beasley or a point guard that can shoot a little better like D'Angelo Russell to what they're doing. Uh, I mean, this offense could be truly unstoppable with the Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, two man game, the handoff action, all the different uh, variations and twists on on horn sets that the Wolves are running now. Um, All of those things really made the Wolves offense look unstoppable, but it it just was discombobulated is probably the best way to put it. Starting about the midway point of the third quarter through really the rest of the game for the Wolves. Um, The Suns bench was also much better than the Timberwolves. Uh, Outside of Jalen Noel, nobody on the Wolves bench really had a significant impact on this game. Um, Minnesota was down 13 when Towns came back in the game with 830 left to go. Uh, from that point towards the end, I mean, again, the offense itself was, was being executed pretty well uh, in the fourth quarter. There was that stretch in the third where they weren't even executing well, but the execution was okay. They were just missing shots. Edwards was missing point blank layups. Jade McDaniels missed a lot of open shots. And after a brief mini run after Towns came back, the Wolves got it back to 10 points. And uh, and then the Suns put both Devin Booker and Chris Paul back in the game and really just kind of uh, from that point forward knew that the Wolves were teetering on the edge of being blown out. And they stretched the lead to 20 before they took those guys off the court. And the Wolves bench um, it all, all managed to have much better looking plus minus marks in this game when they pushed it back to a 12 point deficit because... They went on a little bit of a run uh, during garbage time. So, um, by the way, the Wolves in this game, and this, I guess, will be part of takeaways as well, but it was my last note. So I thought I'd just just read it off here. The Wolves had only four second chance points in this game, and and one of those baskets came in the final minute of the game with the outcome obviously already in hand for the Suns. They had two second chance points in this game when it mattered. Uh, five total offensive rebounds. Now, the Suns only had six offensive rebounds, um, but the Wolves only had five and only converted them into one second chance basket on the entire game. So the Wolves lost by 12. It really wasn't that close. I mean, it was for the first, you know, three-ish quarters of the game, and then it got up to 20 and it wasn't really close. Garbage time made it a little bit closer. So, you know, this is probably the least competitive game the Wolves have played since the All-Star break. Uh, They're now three and three since the break, but they've played good teams. I mean, generally speaking, these are all teams that are going to compete for a playoff spot or at least the play-in game. If you look at, you know, New Orleans and and Portland, um, New Orleans, I guess, is still a couple games out of the play-in spot, but uh, yeah, two and a half games out, but they're still a fairly good team, a team that's underperforming and probably will finish the year better than where they're at right now. Um, and, and this was easily the Wolves' worst game, but again, against a really good team. And if you had said coming into Phoenix, and I think I did say this actually um, earlier in the week, the Wolves could split the games in Phoenix, you'd feel really, really good about a one and two road trip, playing the Lakers tough, playing Phoenix tough twice and getting a win in Phoenix. All that, all that's good. Um, and the Wolves, the Wolves are sitting in a, a pretty good spot right now coming home. And we'll talk about that upcoming schedule here in a minute. Um, first, though, I want to talk about key takeaways from this game for the Wolves.
Get all the sports you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Okay, so key takeaways for this game. Um, Number one, Anthony Edwards, after dropping a career-high 42 points, shooting um, just a hair under 50%, which gives him three straight games of being right around the 50% mark from the field. He shot four of 18. It was a bit of a regression to, uh, I don't know that I call it regression to the mean yet, um, but to what we've seen, you know, the bad version of Anthony Edwards this this year has had shooting games that look like this, where he's shooting under 25% from the field. We've seen that a couple of times, uh, more than a couple of times. He was three of eight outside the arc, that means he was one of 10 inside the arc. And these weren't like contested Andrew Wiggins style mid-range jumpers or fadeaway jumpers out of the post. This was mostly around the rim, just missing layups, missing uh, scoop shots, a couple of floaters mixed in. Um, Four of 18 shooting night, not great. Three of eight outside the arc for Edwards. He also had seven turnovers. He was trying to make things happen. Um, And I don't know that he was called for any offensive fouls in this game either. I think they were all just bad passes or getting stripped of the ball. There were a couple of those six assists, seven turnovers. Now go back and look at his game log. He very rarely has more than three of either of those things because he, his usage rate is so high. He he uses possessions by shooting the ball. He's not typically trying to create for others as much, but he did in this game, six assists, seven turnovers, which is why I said earlier, I don't, you know, I can't put him in the dud category for this game because I thought he was trying hard to do things other than score when his shot wasn't working. He did get a little discouraged. And by the way, he shot zero free throws in this game, which is absolutely insane. I understand he shot 13 on Thursday and Suns fans were upset that he shot 13 free throws, but he should not have shot zero free throws on Friday. He was one of 10 inside the arc. Um, I mean, look at his shot chart and I'm going to pull it up here just to confirm what I'm very confident I saw with my own eyes watching this game, which was Anthony Edwards was not simply shooting mid-range jumpers he was getting to the rim and not getting any foul calls in this game. Uh, yep, he shot two two-pointers outside of the paint in this game. So that means in the paint, he was one of eight and did not get a single foul call, did not get to the free throw line. That's absurd. It's That's not right. He definitely was fouled at, at least twice. I, I wrote down Edwards was hammered, did not get a foul call. Um, so it's really hard for me to look at this game and say it was a bad game for Anthony Edwards. Now, some of his three point, a couple of his three point attempts were basically, you know, screw it. I'm kind of open and I'm not scoring. I'll just shoot a three because I, you know, I'm not getting foul calls in the paint. I might as well. And he shot three of eight outside the arc. I mean, the Wolves will take three out of eight. If he attempts eight threes every night and makes three, the Wolves, Wolves will take that. He should not be one of 10 inside the arc. He should not be one of eight inside the paint and he should not have zero free throw attempts. Part of that is his fault for missing shots because there were some he wasn't fouled on and he just missed. But there were at least two or three occasions where he was hammered and did not get a foul call. And I mean, that's a big reason why I can't put him in the dud category when we get to individual studs and duds. It's not his fault that he was that inefficient in this game, not entirely his fault. Um, and again, he was trying to create for others. The seven turnovers are not good, but they weren't all sloppy, careless turnovers. He did have some problems, again, getting back in transition, and we see this. He's not the only one. Towns has had these issues throughout his career. Devin Booker had this issue in this game because he was busy whining about what he thought were non-calls, and he wasn't getting back defensively. Saw that a little bit with Edwards. And even if he's got a good case, and sometimes Booker did too, and sometimes Towns does, doesn't mean you can't hustle back defensively. And, and that was an issue for Edwards in this one a little bit too. Um, okay, other takeaways, the Wolves offensively, again, they executed well. They ran a lot of the same horn sets that they ran in in, in, uh, in Thursday's game, but the Suns made some adjustments. And again, Edwards just missed some shots at the rim. Towns was good. He only had 12 shot attempts in this game. 
And it was still the second most field goal attempts of anybody on the Wolves roster after Edwards, but he was nine of 12 shooting three or four outside the arc, three or four at the free throw line, an efficient game for him. Um, so it's, it's not like he wasn't getting shots. You'd like to see him shoot more than 12 times in a game, but he was efficient and he was effective. He didn't get quite as many post touches in this game. He also only had one assist to five turnovers. And so that was an issue for him. Um, but the Wolves, I mean, the Suns force the action, give the Suns credit defensively. And remember, this is a good defensive team. So the fact that the, the Wolves dropped, what was it, 120, uh, 122, 123 on the Suns on Thursday night, that's impressive. I mean, the Suns are a good defensive team. So holding the Wolves to 101 is what you'd expect to see out of Phoenix, especially for a Wolves team with no Beasley, no D'Angelo Russell. And the Suns' complimentary players just did more than the Wolves. Um, Ricky Rubio had 21 points, which was by far a season high for him. He had 21 and 10 and zero turnovers. Just a phenomenal game from Rubio. And after having a quiet one on Thursday. So, I mean, he was like the only other guy that stepped up. I mean, Rubio was the, was the second leading scorer on the Wolves after Towns. And Jalen Noel had a good game, but nobody else really came to the party. And, and Jade McDaniels, will talk more about him in a minute. He got opportunities. But the point here, the key takeaway is that the supporting cast for the Suns was much better than the supporting cast for the Wolves. I mean, uh, Mikel Bridges was fantastic. It seemed like every time you looked up, Langston Galloway was making a three-pointer in this game. He was four or five from deep, uh, five or six from the floor, 14 points off the bench. Uh, Jay Crowder was better in this game than he was on, on Thursday. He only had 10 points, but he hit three threes. And, uh, you know, Booker only had 16 points and 18 shots, committed five turnovers, second straight game where his assisted turnover, five assists, five turnovers, the Wolves did a great job on him, but it was everyone else. And then it was Chris Paul in the fourth quarter with kind of a steady diet of elbow jumpers and mid-range fadeaways that he is just, it, they're like layups for him. Um, that's what defeated the Wolves. It was those ancillary players, those complimentary players and, and the Wolves, you know, Jaden McDaniels didn't do what he needed to do. The bench, you know, from Hernan Gomez to Lehman, um, Culver played in this game. And those guys just didn't didn't provide what they needed to provide. And it was it was the primary guys who did all the scoring for the Wolves. Um, again, Ricky Rubio being the exception. So that was another another issue with this game. And then also, I, I, I just want to point out, as I mentioned a minute ago, the Suns are a really good defensive team and, the, and they're very well coached and they did a good job defending. They adjusted better than the Wolves did. And I, and again, I don't know that the Wolves weren't, there were some open missed shots. I didn't mention this, but in the first half, especially, I think it was the first quarter, there were four missed wide open threes, uh, whether, you know, Jade McDaniels had a couple, um, uh, Ricky Rubio had one, I believe wide open three that he missed. Anthony Edwards had one wide open three that he missed. And I mean, Jim Peterson pointed this out on the Wolves broadcast. If you're going to be successful as a team or as an individual in the NBA, you have to make wide open threes more often than not. I mean, you can't have multiple missed wide open threes in a stretch, you know, span of the game against a really good team, a good team on both ends of the floor in the Suns, because they're going to make you pay. And thankfully the Suns were a bit sluggish themselves. And that's the reason why the Wolves hung in this game. But some of those, again, shot making more so than the execution for the Wolves was the issue. I don't think that the Wolves necessarily were out coached. They just played a team that made more shots than, the, than they did. And, uh, and was able to close this thing out. And, and by close it out, I mean, push the lead from 10 to 20 points in the mid middle portions of the fourth quarter. Uh, what I want to do next is talk uh, individual studs and duds, which players played the best for the Wolves, which players played the worst. And then also some players in the middle who had uh, kind of a, I guess we'll call it the mixed bag category in terms of their performance individually in this game. 
Hey, March Madness is ongoing right now. Of course, plenty of games this weekend and through Monday, the first and second round. You can get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Okay, individual studs and duds from this game. We'll start with the duds. Um, Jake Lehman didn't do much. He only played 13 minutes, but he had had an opportunity to to make an impact, and he came off the bench. He'd been starting for the Wolves, but he came off the bench in this one. I didn't mention this off the top, but Okogie and McDaniel started. Vanderbilt and Lehman came off the bench. Vando only played five minutes, didn't really do anything, was a plus five, had an assist, but no rebounds, no shot attempts or anything. Uh, Layman though had five had was one of five shooting, but his only make was in garbage time. So he was zero of four when the game was still in the balance. Zero of two outside the arc, missed a couple of mostly open threes. He did have four rebounds in thirteen minutes, but and was a plus five. But those missed shots when he when he gets that short amount of time to make an impact. If Layman's not making open shots, if he's not cutting and making dunks. He's not a good enough defender and he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't rebound enough. In this game, he was okay, I guess. Four rebounds in 13 minutes is fine. But those are when he he's the type of player where he's not a he's not a, a realistically a longtime starter or a full-time starter for uh, for a good team. He's somebody who on a good team is going to have the 10 to 12 minute a game role and he's got to impact the game positively when he's out there. And he didn't. Um, and so he is in the dud category for this game. Um, the other dud that I'll, that I'll hand out in this one is Jaden McDaniels. He did get the start and he had eight points, five rebounds and a steal was a plus 11 in 28 minutes, which is great. But this game in particular, the single game plus minus is deceiving. Uh, and mostly because of the garbage time, the Wolves went on like a nine to two run or something in the last couple of minutes when the game was over. It was a 20 point game and they made it a 12 point game. That was all misleading. Uh, the, the the plus minus McDaniels was four of 11 shooting. He had a nice dunk in garbage time, but he was oh four outside the arc shooting open threes. He had a couple of bad, um, you know, we haven't seen him be aggressive offensively much. He's mostly been a defender and, you know, a spot up shooter for the Wolves offensively, and which is fine. I mean, he's young. He's getting his feet wet. He's raw. Nobody expected him to even be playing this much at this point in the season. And he's been a pleasant surprise. But he tried to create a little bit and had a couple of sloppy possessions where he, his handle was a little loose and he shot up a contested mid-range jumper and some of those things. Just not a great game for him. Um, you know, if you if you just saw the eight and five and, and if uh, the plus 11 and the Wolves won, you'd feel good about it. But if you watch the game and, and you saw the 0 for 4 from three-point range, um, it just wasn't his best game. And, and that's okay. I mean, there's obviously plenty more opportunities to come. And we've seen plenty of great McDaniels games, but he also didn't impact it quite as much defensively as we've gotten used to seeing. So he is the second dud in this game uh, for the Wolves. In terms of studs, I am going to give one to Carl Anthony Towns. He did have five turnovers and committed four fouls. And there was that stretch kind of middle of the third when the Wolves had pushed ahead and then the Suns were kind of gaining control of the game again after the 15-0 Wolves run. Towns kind of lost it and uh, he was he did the thing where he gets a little over aggressive and he gets kind of animated or over animated and complaining about everything. And sometimes he's got a good case, like he got called for an offensive foul. I have no idea what the call was. It wasn't an offensive foul, but of course Towns can't let that go. And then it impacts every part of the game. But then he had like a massive block and he came down and had a, a an acrobatic shot. He made a three-pointer and he turned that into positive production and finished this game with 24 points on just 12 shots, three or four outside the arc, only got four free throw attempts, three or four at the line, only had nine rebounds. His rebound numbers have been suppressed quite a bit lately. One assist to five turnovers and just the one block. So it wasn't an outstanding game for Towns, but he was, again, the Wolves' um, best all-around player. Uh, well, I guess you could argue Rubio was in this game, but 
um, just, you know, another solid game from Towns. He's been asked to do a lot and he didn't get a lot of help from teammates. And those five turnovers are going to happen when you have the ball in your hands as much as Towns does and the team doesn't play very well. So good game overall from Towns and it's hard to complain too much about it. Ricky Rubio is, is, uh, was, like I said a minute ago, probably the best player on the floor for the Wolves in this one. 21 points, 10 assists, five rebounds, zero turnovers in this game, seven of 10 shooting. He was four of four inside the arc and was aggressive, had six quick points on layups early in the game and then hit a a jumper in the lane in the fourth quarter. Three of six outside the arc, four of four inside the arc, four of five at the free throw line and was, was just kind of in control throughout the game. He did, he was fine defensively. Um, You know, Chris Paul had a good game, but the way that the Wolves were switching most actions, uh, most action, Towns ended up on Paul a fair amount, as did Josh Okogie. And for the most part, Rubio was was competitive and, and did well in this game. Um, by the way, if you hear a tornado siren in the background or f- something that sounds like a tornado siren, that's exactly what it is. I live in Oklahoma and there is a weekly Saturday tornado uh, siren test. I know in Minnesota, it's like the first Wednesday of every month throughout the summer, I believe. In Oklahoma, it's every Saturday throughout the year. So... If you can hear that, that's what that is. And there's not a tornado. I'm not in danger, I promise. Okay, um, the set, or the third stud for this game for the Timberwolves is Josh Kogi. Only five points, two of six shooting offensively and was actually a minus 15, which was, again, misleading. The third worst mark on the team in the game in terms of plus minus, but misleading in this game. Fantastic on Devin Booker. I'm pretty sure Devin Booker is still thinking about Josh Kogi locking him down for sections of this game. Um, there was like a stretch where he had, he, he, got an offensive foul called on Booker, um, scored on the other end, then got an offensive foul called on Chris Paul, then stripped Booker or blocked his shot. And then a couple possessions later, stripped him in transition, stripped the ball off of him. And uh, just just a great defensive performance for Akogi. And this is what we saw a lot of his rookie year, late in his rookie year, you know, the famous game with the block against James Harden. And even sometimes last year, and we just haven't seen as much top level top flight defensive, individual defensive performances from Akogi. And I think his offensive issues have gotten into his head a little bit and maybe impacted him defensively. And uh, we saw a really good, easily his best individual defensive performance of the season so far for Akogi. Devin Booker, I mean, Josh Akogi was living rent-free in Devin Booker's mind at the end of, towards the end, third, fourth quarter of this game. Um, you know, again, Booker, six of 18 shooting, five turnovers to five assists in this game and only had the four free throw attempts. Uh, Akogi did a great job not fouling as well in this game. So um, great game from Josh Akogi. Other notable individual performances, Anthony Edwards, I talked a little bit about him already, but 11 points, 10 rebounds, six assists is nice but four of 18 shooting, seven turnovers, not as nice. Um, the positive side, as I said in the first segment of the show today, is that he continued to be aggressive. He tried to create for others. He didn't get too down on himself when he was effective in other areas. He led the team in rebounding. And that's the sort of thing that we never would have seen out of Andrew Wiggins. And we've seen it a couple times this year. And, and frankly, Edwards' rebound rate hasn't been great this year either, but we've seen an improvement lately. Um, and so he got his career high in rebounds midway through the third quarter, finished with a double-double, um, 11 and 10, which i has to be his first career double double if he's this is his career high in rebounds, um, and and the shot wasn't falling, but that's okay. Uh, he didn't get the calls. That's okay. He was good otherwise, and so his impact wasn't enough for him to truly be. You know, the the missed shots are an issue, obviously. So he can't be labeled as a stud in this game necessarily, but he was still um, good overall, at least in terms of his activity. And then also Jalen Noel, um, fourteen points on six of nine shooting. He kind of gets an honorable mention here. Two of five outside the arc. He missed a couple of open three point attempts that fall under the category of hey, we you know the Wolves have to make some open threes, um, but. He was good overall, hit some tough shots 
in um, inside the arc around the paint, mid-range shots uh, in the third quarter when the game was still kind of in the balance, going back and forth a little bit. And I mean, a good a good game again from Jalen Noel. I, I really like him, and I think he's he's going to be a key piece moving forward for this team, even once Russell and Beasley get back. I should say that for the game though, the Wolves shot the ball okay. I mean, they were thirty seven percent outside the arc, forty seven percent from the field. The problem was the nineteen turnovers and um, the missed shot. The so many of those misses were wide open threes and and then some misses in close, especially from Anthony Edwards. And and it was kind of at inopportune times. And the Suns are just too good of a team to miss some of those shots. And then of course, on the flip side, the Suns were over 50% outside the arc and over and exactly 50% overall from the field. So 47% and 37% are good, but 50% and 52% are better. Um, and so I guess, I guess I could have just said that and called it a day with the podcast, because that's basically what it comes down to is the Suns just made some more shots. Um, and they, and again, at more opportune times as well. So, um, that's pretty much it in terms of takeaways from this game. If you look ahead at the Wolf schedule though, they've got a pretty, a pretty, I don't know, not easy, but you know, winnable games upcoming. They've got the Thunder at home on Monday. They have the weekend off, no game Saturday or Sunday. The Thunder at home on Monday, Dallas at home on Wednesday, which is tough. Dallas is playing a lot better lately, but they have a bad defense and the Wolves should be able to score. Um, and then Houston next Friday and Saturday, both games at home, a uh, back-to-back. And Saturday's game would mark Malik Beasley's return. Um, at least his suspension would end with Friday's game, the 26th against Houston. And then D'Angelo Russell, that's kind of right at about that five-week mark. He, they had said initially four to six weeks. He's been doing on-court work now for 10 days or so. Did not come on the road trip, but it would seem feasible that he could be back by the weekend. Um, so we might be looking at the last four games with no Beasley and no D'Angelo Russell. And then after that, it actually doesn't get that much tougher. I mean, at Brooklyn's obviously tough at home against the Knicks is winnable at Memphis is certainly a winnable game. And then, and then it's at Philadelphia home for Sacramento winnable at Indiana at Boston. So it's kind of the next, this homestand, the wolves certainly should go two and two with three games against Oklahoma city, Houston and, and, or, and Houston twice, but they could go three and one at home if they play like they did on this road trip against the Lakers and the Suns, um, and how they played against Portland last weekend as well. And then, you know, you've got these upcoming kind of a mix of good and bad teams over the next few games, but the schedule lightens up at least a little compared to where it's been. Um, so some opportunity to pick up wins here for the Wolves. We'll be back Monday morning with uh, a preview of the Thunder Wolves game on Monday night. I'm sure there will also be some trade rumors over the weekend. Obviously, if anything goes down, we'll do an emergency pod in terms of any trades or, or moves that the Wolves make. Otherwise, we'll cover everything Monday morning. So be sure you you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Anywhere you get podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. Um, and also, if you're a listener regularly and you enjoy the podcast, be much obliged if you filled out or if you did a, a review on on Apple. Definitely helps us out and get in front of more folks. Um, and you can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and at B Beacon Two Bs Two Es C K E N. All right, that's all we have today. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Wolves. Of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Network is all your local experts on all of the biggest stories. And uh, we'll be back Monday morning once again. I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.